I'd like to offer some um, opening reflections uh, to uh, sort of begin exploring some of these themes that we have um, on the cards for this uh, this weekend. Uh, as everybody knows, uh, the title, the theme is uh, mindful aging, and uh, so even though this is very much a Buddhist context, it's it's very obvious. <laughs> Buddha image. You know, Buddhist monks, nuns, uh, and will draw upon uh, Buddhist teachings and uh, quoting from the, the scriptures and so forth. But uh, hopefully, uh, what is said, uh, the the reflections offered, and, and what we share with each other, will be uh, as uh, accessible and uh, meaningful to people of all uh, religious dispositions and affiliations, or, or of of none. So that these are trying to ad- address the human concerns. What, what we uh, have in common with each other as human beings, whether we happen to be Buddhists or Christians or uh, Sikhs or Muslims or Jews or Richard Dawkins. Yeah. <laughs> we are all, uh, as they say in the Buddhist tradition, <laughs> uh, sisters and brothers in aging, sickness and death. That is uh, our basic uh, relationship, is we're, we're all in the same boat, regardless of what uh, badges we're, we're wearing of uh, affiliation. Uh, so that uh, hopefully what's, what's offered uh, myself this evening and during the course of these next couple of days, they will address this, these fundamental human um, uh, issues, uh, these uh, basic human qualities that uh, we all uh, are, uh, say, um, are a part of, that the form a, a framework and, and powerful influences within our lives. So the... Um, this theme of mindful aging, and it was quite striking as uh, we put out the notices for this uh, this weekend and for the subsequent uh, uh, death and dying retreat. Um, Joseph Kappel, uh, Babakaro, and myself uh, be uh, leading. We thought aging on the weekend, death and dying yeah. <laughs> as the follow-up, a very appropriate uh, mixture. Uh, there was a, a very large number of people applying to, to get onto these um, these events and a very long uh, uh, waiting lists. So uh, obviously it's a, a, uh, an important theme, a theme that's close to people's hearts and, and an area that uh, we are looking for understanding. And I think one of the reasons, particularly in the West, why the heart clamors for understanding or for a sense of uh, perspective in this area is because uh, I... I uh, I recognize this is a, a bit of a sweeping statement, but uh, our culture, uh, Western culture, is, is very much a culture of the denial of aging, denial of death, and um, the, there's a, a basic rejection that uh, culturally we, we follow. Um, we use these euphemisms like, if something should ever happen to me, <laughs> you know, if. <laughs> we don't say, when I die. It's, that's, it's going down to ruin dinner party conversation. You know. <laughs> it's going to spoil the, spoil the conversation immediately. You, you don't say, when I die, you say, if, if something should ever happen to me, if, first conditional, something that we won't talk about, second conditional, should, third conditional, ever, you know, fourth conditional, it's like, that's a lot of padding. <laughs> um, and uh, and we, we look at the, the, the way that... Uh, we um, relate to uh, our, um, uh, our self-image and the way that uh, we present ourselves. And, 
And just looking at the, the media and our education and the whole system of how the human person is held in society. And if you look at the advertisements, unless uh, the adverts are for stair lifts, <laughs> usually the, uh, the person in the advert is 23, 23 good-looking and cheerful. Yeah, and that there's actually a very small proportion of society that is, uh, is 23 good-looking and cheerful. <laughs> but that's the, the, uh, the epitome. That's what we're held up. If we've got it right, then that's how we will look and how we will be. And, and billions and billions of, of pounds are spent annually on um, cosmetic surgery, <laughs> anti-aging creams, hair dye for men and for women, yeah. trying to, to hold back the hold back the night, you know, <laughs> to hold back that, uh, that, that process. Or, or, um, and it's understandable, you know, people want to feel good and have a good uh, self, uh, say, uh, positive self-image. But it's very striking how that positive self-image is based around um, not getting old. I mean, how many um, newsreaders are there over the age of 70? Even the newsreaders, you know, it's like hardly a kind of glamorous occupation. You know, it's uh, older people uh, are, uh, in a way, the mind holds it as, a, as almost like a different species. That's the, well, that's old people. That, that's, that's something else. That's somehow other. It's not us. We, we are somehow uh, conditioned in our perceptions. And again, I, I recognize these are sweeping statements, but I think probably most of us can recognize some, some truth, some validity in that. We, we push that away, and then... Um, we we sort of hope that it's not going to happen to us, uh, that somehow we'll we'll <laughs> find a way around it. So that uh, I felt that uh, one of the things that's very um, useful to look at this weekend, and also is a very uh, a powerful theme of Buddhist tradition, I think what it can also offer to society, is that sense of of um, breaking through those habits of, of denial that. Um, and that uh, uh, you know, we're looking at our, our life in a more complete and, and whole way, and to to say um, challenge those those perceptions of of uh, aging being some kind of unfortunate accident yeah. <laughs> to be avoided. No, I'm not recommending not looking after our health or, or uh, sort of deliberately dyeing our hair grey or shaving out, you know men sort of shaving out the panel in the middle so it will so increase our balding rate. <laughs> I mean, we do that every two weeks anyway, as monastics. But, uh, um, but it's not to say to uh, um, make things more uncomfortable or obstructive for ourselves, but more instead to draw into uh, into focus the the whole spectrum of our life as a as a single integrated piece, rather than the the a- the ending or the, the the aging process and the the ending of life being some kind of um, negotiable. <laughs> And uh, you know, unfortunate accident that that we are uh, we are subject to, or some kind of um, uh, you know, a negotiable contract that we, uh, if we can just word it right or you know, come to the right agreement, we'll <laughs> we'll find a way around that. So is this making sense? <laughs> yeah. So this. Um, so in terms of, of that um, that. Uh, aspect of our life, the aging process. Uh, you know, the, the Buddha speaks about this very directly and also pointing out that, that you know, aging is, is painful and difficult, even for the Buddha. 
Uh, I, I'm not sure if the um, Sutta quotations were, were uh, sent out to everybody in the attending this, but uh, I hope uh, some of you read those through. And there's a, a couple of passages in there when the, the Buddha, as an old man, he had chronic back pain. So you might think fully enlightened Buddha, beyond suffering, that, you know, well, that sounds nice, you know, <laughs> become an arahant, you know, no more suffering. It doesn't mean, no more suffering doesn't mean no more pain. Uh, it means no more, um, no more uh, anguish uh, around that, no more uh, anxiety or resentment or contention against that. So when the Buddha was, was elderly, he had chronic back pain. Um, there's this a beautiful description of him. Uh, Ananda comes to his, the Buddha's kuti, to his, his uh, hut, and he sees the, the Buddha sitting on the veranda with his, uh, with his back, uh, warming his back in the setting sun. So, so easing the aches in his back with the, 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 the heat of the setting sun to just sort of soften the, uh, the discomfort. And uh, Ananda says, oh, this is amazing. You know, it's how, uh, you know, before when you were young, uh, Venerable Sir, you know, your, your, your complexion was bright and clear, your skin was flawless, and, and now, you know, you're so aged, your, your, skin, is, uh, your skin is wrinkled, your muscles are, f- are flaccid, uh, you know, the, the whole thing is... Uh, your know, form is so changed. The whole thing is so so different from how it was when you were a kind of powerful young man, a kshatriya um, youth. And the Buddha said, "Yep, that's how it is, Ananda. <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah, the you know, old age is uh, is like this." Uh, you know. And then he he sort of bursts into a, a kind of poetic form and says, uh, "Shame on you, sordid age, that has that tra- has trampled down the form that once had grace." a powerful phrase. Shame on you, sordid age that tramples down that which once had grace. So even the Buddha could say, yeah, right. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is painful. This is difficult. Yeah, there's a loss. There's a feeling of that which was, uh, say, good and pleasant in the eyes of the world and experience of the world. Now it's, it's gone and it's, it's painful and uh, that which was, was gracious is now, you know, the back is bent, the skin is wrinkled, the, the, the faculties are dimmed. That, that's how it is. Also in the Mahaparinibbana Sutta, just before his, uh, his passing away, he uh, is again talking about his physical experience. And he said, my, bo- my body is like an old cart held together with strings and straps. You know, that, uh, you know like an old cart is, is held together just sort of with wires and straps and bits of this and that, just sort of holding the bits together. My body is just the same. <laughs> that, uh, 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 unless I absorb my mind completely into emptiness, then my body is in a state of constant discomfort. Just a matter-of-fact statement. <laughs> so unless he completely uh, let go of all uh, attention to, to the sensory world to, uh, and uh, absorbed it utterly into the sunyata-vihara, the abiding in emptiness, he was feeling pain. But also, being a Buddha and being fully enlightened, he knew how not to make a problem out of it. So that's the key piece. <laughs> So when we, we take that as a reflection or, or I say, a, a guidance for our own lives, you know, the encouragement is to recognize that uh, even though we can also you know, keep fit and, and eat good foods and, and uh, make things as, as uh, supportive and as beneficial as we can, the aging process is, in fact, inexorable, <laughs> despite what some of the adverts might say <laughs> or some of the gurus on YouTube might you know, recommend. You know, you know, follow me and you can live for 500 years. One of the monks was saying he saw uh, some guru on YouTube actually saying that uh, he hadn't, hadn't eaten or drunk anything for 70 years and if you followed his way, he, he expected to be alive for five or 10,000 years. I thought, well, okay. Well, 
It's a lot of things on YouTube. <laughs> so uh, may, may, may it be so, but uh, I st- somehow I strongly doubt it. So for, um, for, the, for all of us, the aging process is moving inexorably in one direction. And, uh, and so the encouragement of the Buddha's teaching is, uh, is a basic realism, a fundamental realism. Uh, recognition. Yeah, that's that's how it is. That's that's where it's going. And this is not an accident. This is not some unfortunate distortion. But this is uh, as uh, Ajahn Liam, one of the uh, elders of our community in Thailand, when he was visiting last year, he said, "This is nature's program." He was he didn't speak much English, but he could say those two words. Yeah, nature's program. <laughs> this is not our pro, not my personal program, but yeah, <laughs> N- uh, our life follows nature's program. So when we, uh, we recognize that, we realize, okay, well, we can't stop the biological changes, but uh, we can't really change that. We can, we can tweak it a little bit here and there. Obviously, we can make things better for ourselves in, in some ways. But there's an inexorable progression. Um, but what we can do is we can change our attitude. Uh, that's what we can change. So just as a Buddha still had chronic back pain, but what was different, what was the difference between a Buddha and an and, and unenlightened and 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 an unenlightened being is that the Buddha knew how not to make a problem out of it. So the attitude towards the aging of the body and the identification with the body, this is the key piece. And, and uh, as a, a theme, uh, I thought I'd just like to bring in this evening to begin with, uh, even though there'll be many themes that we explore over the weekend, I thought this, as particularly this aspect of, of attitude, I'd like to, to bring in um, because that's, the, you know, in a sense, the 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 key piece what what a difference can be made uh, within us is the the way that we hold our life and the body our own body and then the lives of of others around us we can uh, the attitude that we have towards that is something that we do have control over and makes a huge difference it makes all the difference in the world Uh, the um, uh, in in Buddhist tradition, in uh, the teachings, we have um, the story of the the Buddha's life uh, before his enlightenment. He uh, the the legends go, the stories go that uh, he was a, a wealthy prince living a very sheltered life. Uh, his uh, his father tried to keep him protected from any kind anything that would arouse a spiritual uh, motivation in him. So he surrounded him with luxury and kept him pretty much in, under house arrest. <laughs> in a palatial and luxurious circumstances in Kapilavatu in uh, Nepal, northern India. And, uh, but the story goes that uh, he got curious about what was life was like outside the palace, and so he snuck out with his charioteer and then went through the streets of Kapilavatu. And then on uh, several different uh, journeys, um, he encountered, first of all, a, a sick person, someone who was a... Um, uh, you know, lying in their own uh, excreta and, and vomit, kind of curled up on the street. And he said, what, what's happened to them? What's, happened, what's wrong with this person? What, why are they like that? And Chana, his charioteer, said, well, that's a sick person, Your Majesty. <laughs> that's, uh, that's sickness. Yeah, we're all subject to sickness. He said, oh, really? Hmm. And the next journey out, they encountered a, an aged person that was old, you know, woman kind of bent over, walking stick, gray, you know, gray hair, all thin and falling out, and covered in wrinkles. Oh, what happened to her? 
you know, she's in a terrible state. Is, that, you know, is, is this that sickness thing? So, oh, no, well, this is the sickness of old age. Yeah. That's where our, our lives are going. That's the, even if you stay healthy, that's where you end up. Well, she's healthy? Well, she doesn't look too bad. <laughs> just, she's just old, that's all. Oh, dear. Oh, okay. And then the third trip out um, came across a funeral, and there was this body lying on a, 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 um, a, a stretcher being carried to the, the funeral ground, and uh, he, the Bodhisattva asks, well, so what's happened to that person? What's wrong with them? Oh, that's a dead person. That's, that's after, sick, after aging and sickness, then that's the next, the, the next phase. You know, that, that inevitably all these bodies die. They come to an end. Every single person here on the street around us, every one of us, everyone in this room, yeah, is going to die. The, the, the breath will come to an end, the body will, will stop living, and uh, that uh, uh, process of being alive and being awake and being a person will finish. Oh. So these are the first three of uh, what were later known as the heavenly messengers. And then the fourth trip out, then the, the, the Bodhisattva sees a, a wandering monk, this sort of fellow with uh, you know, ragged robes on and dreadlocks and, you know, with that covered in sort of ashes and with a, a walking staff. What, what's he doing? He doesn't look like the rest of the people on the street. You know, what's, what's he up to? Uh, what, what's, uh, what's his way of life about? And he said, oh, this is a, a wanderer, a sannyasin, a samana. He's, uh, he's seeking the deathless. He is the one who has left the household life and has uh, given himself to seeking the realization of, of truth. Said, oh, aha. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> So then, uh, whether this is a symbolic tale or whether it actually happened exactly that way in the in the Buddha's life, then um, certainly what that led to, those kind of experiences, led to a, a, a particular reflection. And this is a, another very powerful um, passage from the teachings where the Buddha, as a bodhisattva, as a, as a young 29-year-old man, considers, well, uh, why should I, being subject to, to aging, to sickness, to death, also seek after that which is subject to aging, sickness, and death as well. Why instead do I not seek that which is unaging, unailing, deathless? Why don't I seek that instead? So then, so then he says, and very simply, so I decided I will <laughs> seek the unaging, the uh, unailing, the deathless. And uh, that was the, the motivation to cause him to leave the palace and to, to take to the road as a, as a wanderer. So those, uh, th- these are called the heavenly messengers, and, and people might wonder, well, why are they, what's so heavenly about them? You know, a sick person uh, lying in their own vomit and, and so on, and uh, cr- you know, somebody you know, crumpled over with a, you know, covered in wrinkles and with a you know, walking stick and, and uh, a dead body. What, what's so heavenly about that? And, and what's, what's the message <laughs> if they're messengers? Uh, but the, uh, what the, the message was, was that... Uh, this is the, the inevitable aspects of life. This is part of our, our, of our living world. This is part of the process that we're all uh, in the midst of, that is the very uh, fabric of our, of our life. We, we, uh, we are all part of this same process. And so um, it's a, a heavenly message because then when we wake up to that, then it brings about a, a change. There's a, a change in, in attitude that that can, that can bring, that, uh, that quality of so that the shift in, in attitude, when we really allow that into the heart, it's not just something which is sort of depressing or saddening, but it, uh, it's like as within the, the Buddha's life itself, he's realized, oh, well, if that's the case, 
Right, you know, why am I chasing after things that are also subject to the same problems? Why, is there something that's, uh, that's, that's different and, and inspired by the, the sight of the wanderer and that, that uh, hearing the words there, seeking the, the deathless or the transcendent, the, the ultimate truth, then something in his heart went, aha! <laughs> so that there, there is an alternative. Now, now, what's that about and how do we find that? So this, uh, the message is, is heavenly uh, in, in the, so far as it brings about a, a, a true brightness or a, 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 an access to those qualities of, of genuine, um, say, uh, uh, freedom and uh, an inner, uh, say, joyfulness or an inner um, brightness. There are another, uh, the, the teachings that are there on those... Um, uh, Sutta quotes that we, we sent out was a, a, a dialogue between the Buddha and King Pasenadi, and he says, "So great King, um, you, know, you know, what have you what are you what have you been doing? You know, where uh, where have you come from now? You come to visit me?" He said, "Oh, I was just occupied with the kind of stuff that a a, a, a warrior noble king drunk on his own power and you know was completely carried away with worldly concerns. I was just doing that kind of stuff, <laughs> normal king stuff." You know, but, uh, in this very sort of sweetly understated way, just the, the kind of things that kings do, uh, intoxicated with their own power and authority and, you know, and their own, uh, own sort of worldly concerns. And that, you know, that's what I was up to. And so the Buddha said, so great king, can I ask you a question? So if you've got a messenger coming from the, from the north saying there's a huge mountain as high as the clouds appro- approaching from the north, crushing everything underneath it, and then another messenger came from the east and the west and the south, and they all said the same thing. There's these huge mountains coming from the four directions, as high as the clouds, crushing everything um, beneath them. Yeah, if they brought you those messages, what would you do? And, the, and King Pasendi said, well, if there's, these mountains were approaching like that, then, I, then what could I do but except to, to uh, endeavor to live in accord with the Dhamma, in, to live in accord with reality, to um, cultivate wholesomeness, to, to do... Uh, kind and meritorious acts and to, to dedicate my life to goodness. What else could you do? And the Buddha said, you know, very good, great king, because aging and sickness and death are, <laughs> are closing in on you, like the, the, the mountains from the four directions. So you gave the right answer. <laughs> well, what you can do, what, what's there to do, but to live in accord with reality and to cultivate that which is wholesome and beneficial and beautiful. Yeah, another of the very beautiful teachings that uh, I, I thought was, uh, would be useful to reflect on and uh, I would encourage people to look at is the dialogue between the Buddha and uh, Nakula Pitta. And uh, there's a particular relationship between uh, Nakula Pitta and Nakula Mata, who are a, 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 an elderly couple, and the Buddha because it said that they had been his parents in 500 previous lifetimes. So they have a special place in the, the kind of Buddhist uh, history and Buddhist pantheon. And so he has... Uh, they're sort of lay, uh, lay supporters, lay students of, of the Buddha, but he, he gives them some extra attention as a particularly dear relationship between them. Yeah. And so that uh, one day Nakula Pitta comes to the Buddha and says, you know, I'm really old and it's a decrepit and you know, I'm bent over and my faculties are all wearing out and, and uh, you know, I'm you know, very afflicted in, in, uh, in the body. So can you... Yeah, I'm getting really decrepit and elderly, elderly. So, can you give me some advice? How should I, how should I live now that I'm getting so close to the end of my life and I'm so, um, so broken down and, and worn out like this? And the Buddha simply said, "Well, uh, Nakula Pitta, um, 
even though you are uh, afflicted in body, then you should uh, uh, train yourself not to be afflicted in mind also. And then Nakula Peter, just hearing those words, he was really happy, and this <laughs> lit up and was bright, and and uh, and, and uh, took his leave. And a little while later, he came across Venerable Sariputta, and Sariputta said, "Wow, Nakula Pita, you look very bright, radiant, luminous. Maybe it, it looks like you just had a conversation with the Buddha. You seem you know, say um, uh, lit up with the ambrosia of the deathless." And he said, "Indeed, Venerable Sir, I am." Uh, a light with the ambrosia of the deathless. I've just drunk of the deathless ambrosia of the the, uh, the Buddha's words. And so then Sariputta asked him, well, what did he say to you? And he said, well, he uh, he said, uh, even though you're afflicted in body, you know, you, you should uh, learn how to not be afflicted in uh, in mind as well. And he said, so did he explain what he meant by that? He said, oh, no, I didn't ask. <laughs> oh, Nakula, you know, you really, you know, you missed out there. You should have asked him because you're right face to face with the Buddha. You should, you should have uh, taken the opportunity to ask him. So, oh, okay. So, uh, can I ask you? He says, okay. So, so, what should I have asked him? You know, and if, uh, if, uh, if you could give an answer in the Buddha's place, what would you say? And then Sariputta gives this beautiful description saying, well, to be afflicted in body and afflicted in mind, then... Um, when you, you look at the body or you relate to the body, you, you relate to the body as this is, who, this is me, this is mine, this is who and what I am. And then when, when the body changes and becomes uh, painful and uncomfortable and, and decrepit, then you are uh, upset and anguished and, and distressed because of the changes in the body. Similarly with feelings and with perceptions, uh, moods and, and mind states and, and consciousness itself. It, uh, when we're, we're afflicted in mind and afflicted in body, then uh, there's this um, sense of ownership. This I am this body, I am these feelings, I am these mind states, these thoughts, these, these, uh, these moods. These are me, these are mine, these are who and what I am. So in that way, one is afflicted both in body and in mind. But <laughs> if instead um, uh, one uh, regards the, the, the body uh, to recognize, well, this is not truly uh, something that... that uh, it's not a self, it doesn't belong to a self, it's not who and what I am, then one can be afflicted in body but not afflicted in mind. And so too with uh, feelings, with uh, perceptions, thoughts and moods, that uh, you, uh, by holding them in a different way, by shifting the attitude, by changing the attitude, then one is uh, afflicted in body but not afflicted in mind. The mind is free, the mind is, is uh, say un, unburdened, is unhindered, uh, unfettered by the, the nature of the body. So this is a key insight, uh, and uh, I feel one that's, that's very well worth exploring uh, and looking at. Uh, the, um, uh, the, the question there might be, well, how do we, how do, we do that? <laughs> how do we sort of just shift the attitude? And this is where the mindful element comes in, because the, the, uh, this is a mindful aging. This is not just an aging weekend. <laughs> this is a, 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 ideally, this is a, a weekend on mindful aging. So the mindful piece is how we make that shift. And that's the main tool that we can use to make that shift from, from heedless aging to, <laughs> to mindful aging, the, to being just uh, afflicted in body and in mind, and just afflicted in body but not afflicted in mind. And by understanding that for ourselves and, and developing mindfulness around these, uh, uh, these areas, then we can not just benefit our own life, but we can benefit others as well. So that quality of mindfulness is, uh, is primarily uh, what I'd like to focus on at the moment. Obviously, there's 
different areas that it, it can be applied and many of the different themes that will be explored this weekend will, will cover that. Particularly the mindfulness of the attitude that we have, like the attitude that this is my body, I am the owner, I, these are my feelings, I am, the, uh, uh, I am the, the owner, the controller, the possessor of these, this body, these thoughts, these feelings, these moods, these are me, these are mine, these are who and what I am. To be mindful of those habitual attitudes and so very matter of fact, well of course it's my body, it's not anybody else's. <laughs> Just to say, well, what, uh, what is that uh, feeling? What is that attitude? What is that presumption? Where's that coming from? Uh, what drives that? Is it true? Is it real? So the mindfulness uh, element is to do with looking at the habits of, of, of uh, holding the body, what we're afraid of, that sense when we look in the mirror first thing in the morning we go, oh dear. <laughs> Where did that old bloke come from? You know? yeah. Shame on you, sordid age. You know, maybe we don't think quite so poetically at, you know, early in the morning, but uh, <coughs> that um, that first of all, the mindfulness on what are the attitudes that we hold, and then a mindfulness of of how we can shift the, those those attitudes. Now, it's an interesting thing that. Because our conditioning is very much to deny aging and to resent it, to fear it, to, to deny death and push it away, that we, we don't like to think about it or we, we, uh, we're kind of keeping it in the background. It's a sort of, it's a more of that um, uh, putting, on a, uh, you know, putting on our face for the world or, or, or smartening ourselves up to, 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 uh, to try and look 23 and cheerful <laughs> on our way to a dance, you know. But the, as Ajahn Sujita once pointed out, even when you're in your coffin, you're dressed up looking like you're going to a party. You know, so <laughs> even if you don't want to, other people do it to you, you know, do it for you. So, so, that, uh, it's, uh, so that we, are, we have these strong habits of, of pushing away and denial. And, uh, and mysteriously, the, the, the Buddha's approach was to go... Um, well, maybe not mysteriously, but uh, ironically, in a way, the Buddha's approach to to dealing with um, the 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 issue uh, and the most uh, regular advice is what he was called the five subjects for frequent recollection. So the Buddha encouraged you know every day it's important to remember these five things: I am of the nature to age, I am of the nature to sicken, I am of the nature to die. Yeah. All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. I'm the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide supported by my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, for good or for ill, of that I will be the heir. Now, oftentimes, when you present this, say, on a retreat or when you're teaching, and you say, you know, I'm with the nature to age, I'm with the nature to sicken, I'm with the nature to die, the level of depression in the room... <laughs> rises because to our habits of self-view it's like that we don't want to hear i don't want to hear that don't tell me that i came here to brighten up and make my life more yeah enjoyable but now you're telling me you're kind of grinding it in and uh yes well there's no need to laugh at us ajahn you know we're all in the (laughs) just because you don't just because you don't use makeup or you know hair dye you know that you're not looking for a a new spouse or anything so it's all right for you (laughs) But the Buddha was not being sort of perverse or just sadistic, like saying, ha, 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 <laughs> you know, you're, you're aging, you're going to die, and, and you're going to get sick. So um, 
he wasn't sadistic. He wasn't being uh, uh, just um, wanting people to be more upset or, or, or oppressed or depressed. But uh, what he was doing is trying to encourage this radical realism to uh, say, on the level of being a person, this is the fact. You know, on the conventional level, we are human beings, and the fact is, we are of the nature to age. These bodies age. <laughs> they are subject to sickness. If they weren't, we wouldn't have hospitals and doctors. You know. We wouldn't. How many therapists have we got in the room? You know, if we weren't subject to sickness, we wouldn't need therapists or doctors. I, mean, I, I won't ask for a show of hands of how many people, you know, are in the medical or caring professions. But uh, that's because there is sickness. Yeah. The the I am of the nature to sicken. We are of the nature to die. So that by turning the attention to that and, and allowing those thoughts in, like thinking the unthinkable, or um, just allowing that in, in a mysterious way, the heart says, oh yeah, well, duh, of course, how could it be otherwise? And there's this, what, what we're experiencing is that when you, when you try to deny it and push it away, you reify it, you make it real. If you're running away from your own shadow, there's this little thing behind you, keep running, running, oh dear, it's still behind me, keep going, keep going, yeah. go faster, I'll dodge to the left, go through this door, you know, go through that one, and, oh dear, it's still behind me. And so as long as we're running from that shadow and hoping it will go away, or hoping it's not really there, we reify it, we make it into some, some real thing that is a, a true danger to a real me. And that, uh, that, that is... is uh, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of fundamentally um, uh, unbearable or, or awful, dreadful um, uh, possibility that we're experiencing, uh, the feeling of oppression and threat. The, what, what this kind of reflection on the, 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 these five subjects is turning towards them, inviting them in and saying, yes, <laughs> this body is aging, even since the beginning of this, this uh, seminar. We're all an hour and a half older <laughs> since the we, uh, we all gathered here at Hopper 7, inexorable, <laughs> one direction, the, the, the aging process is going. Yes, that's what's happening. So it's like when you stop and you turn around and you look and you think, oh, it's just my shadow. Duh, what was I running from? Huh, all that heat, all that agitation, all that anxiety, and it was just my own shadow I was running from. Huh. And that brings a, an inner relaxation. There's a huh. Why was I getting so upset? How did I think this was negotiable? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was I dreaming of that I thought there was some other possibility? Ah. So the heart relaxes. The ego is still threatened, probably. <laughs> but the heart relaxes. And so that when we, what we're trying to do is to shift the center of our, our, our world in a way from being a self-centered, or ego-centered perspective to a heart-centered perspective. Because when the the, the ego meets with the unknown, generally what it has experienced is fear. When, the, when we, we meet the unknown or the mysterious from a, a place of ego-centered uh, thinking, an ego-self-centered attitude, the unknown is threatening. When the, the, the ego-centered, self-centered thinking is dropped, when there's this, what we call self-view in Buddhist uh, terminology, sakaya ditti, when that is dropped, when the self-centered thinking is dropped, and we meet the, the, the unknown or the, the, um, <coughs> the mysterious from the, the, with the level of, uh, from the level of the heart, what is experienced is, is more wonderment, the quality of mystery. We don't know. 
but the unknown is not threatening. So there's a radically different uh, uh, quality that, I that is experienced at that time. So that uh, when we talk about mindful aging, in a way what we're, uh, we're trying to do is to, to uh, bring that quality of, of reflective awareness, of mindfulness, heartfulness, to these aspects of our life, that the changes in the body, uh, in our own lives and the lives of people around us, so that we are able to, uh, say, welcome that quality of, uh, the, the natural quality uh, of aging. And that seeing that this is, nothing is going wrong, this is just, <laughs> this is the program, this is always the program. And that we can therefore be at ease. We didn't maybe realize that, or our ego is not very pleased about not looking 23 and, and, uh, and cheerful. But uh, that's just the ego's concerns, and that's fine and well and good, and it can have its peace. <laughs> but uh, when we listen to the, the heart, to listen to our own intuitive wisdom, there's a, uh, there's a relaxing, there's an easefulness there. And so just before we uh, gathered, I think we were over here at tea time, and I was chatting with Kathy, there's Kathy over in the corner, and she was saying uh, that uh, talking, her friends were asking her about this, coming on this seminar, and she said, so they were asking me, so you're just going to, this is about um, paying attention while all the bits drop off, you know, mindful aging. And <laughs> so I thought, well, in, in, a, way, that, in a way, that's kind of true. <laughs> that uh, your, your mindful aging is just being able to pay attention and to recognize, yeah, this is as things leave, as our faculties leave, as our capacity to hear or to see clearly or to think straight or remember where we left our shoes. <laughs> As those things erode and, and our capacity to function in the world or to be a, a kind of useful, remember we get retired as a newsreader because there are too many wrinkles and, and uh, our hair is getting too thin, that uh, as the, the bits drop off, rather than, than relating to that as, a, as a, a, an actual sense of loss, what we're experiencing as, as a rather it's an actual representation of of reality, of the way nature is. It's like, yes, <laughs> this is the natural order. Nothing is, is being lost uh, on a, 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 from a, a nature-centered perspective, from a heart-centered perspective. That there's changes that are occurring in the natural world, uh, but no, nothing, no thing in the heart is really being lost in that respect, I would suggest. Now, uh, maybe a last reflection I'd like to offer um, it's, is useful because... Uh, when we are thinking of aging and um, the, the aging process and the, the loss of faculties, oftentimes m many, many people say, well, I don't really mind getting old. Uh, it's just I don't want to be a burden on other people. I don't want to be helpless. I don't want to be dependent. And uh, I don't want to be a bother, particularly if you're English. <laughs> Being a bother is the most dreadful thing. Uh, you know, that we, we, we almost, our basic relationship to the world, because such a crowded little island, is apologizing for getting in the way, you know. Maybe I'm not making too sweeping, sweeping a statement there, but uh, we, do, we do say a lot of excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't want to be a bother. Yeah. That's a, a strong reflex that, that we have. Um, but uh, the, um, the, the way that we you know, relate to our experience uh, of of say loss or dependency, it can be in a way more threatening or more more painful, more difficult, more hard to bear than 
you know, physical disabilities, having that diabetes or, or not being able to walk so well, that it's that sense of, of um, being a burden or being dependent or being a bother that is painful to us. And uh, many of us who've taken care of ailing, uh, aging, dying parents and family members, you know, have, and even maybe for ourselves, you know, uh, that uh, that's a, a strong and uh, clear experience. But it's also interesting to, to me to reflect that the fourth of the heavenly messengers is the, is the wandering seeker, the summoner. And if you look at the, the monastic form, those of you who are familiar, I mean, the, by the strength of the chanting, I can tell that a lot, a lot of people here are familiar <laughs> with Amravati and the monastic form. So it's important or a helpful reflection to consider that um, monastic life and living by the monastic rule is a kind of uh, voluntary dependency. It's a deliberate dependency. So I can't use money. I can't feed myself. I can't go to the, to the fridge and, and help myself to something. Uh, yeah, I can't, uh, uh, say, um, get in a car and drive. Yeah, I'm not allowed to use money. I'm not allowed to drive cars. I'm not allowed to ask for food. I'm not allowed to keep food overnight. I'm not allowed to prepare food. So um, when you enter a monastic life, then you're entering a state of dependency of vulnerability, but, uh, but it's a voluntary one. Uh, and, it's an act, and it's a deliberate spiritual training method to enter into a state of dependency that you know, the, the Buddha established. And that, uh, so rather than, and this is a, just a suggestion for people's reflection and consideration, I'm not encouraging everyone to ask for ordination. <laughs> but in a way, we are all in the ordination process <laughs> because uh, that that uh, quality of dependency of looking to be helped by others uh, uh, that rather than thinking of that as an unfortunate loss that oh dear I wish I could get by without having to be a bo- bother to others that the way it works in, in the monastic life is that uh, you have the renunciant community and then there's a, the, a larger community of people um, support our physical lives and get a, a great deal of joy out of being helpful and uh, it's a, an enormous blessing for many, many people to say, oh, I'd love to be able to help the, the monastic community, the, the Sangha. So it's not an accident, uh, to, to, uh, in my eyes, that the, um, the, the going forth as a, as a monastic and the aging process are, are both, if we handle them wisely and correctly, they are both ways of directly cutting through self-centered thinking, cutting through self-view, because... Just as the monastic training is is uh, helping, ideally, <laughs> is trying to encourage you to see, you know, this uh, the body is not self, feelings are not self, perceptions are not self, uh, mind states, mental formations are not self, you know, and so on. That these are not who and what we are. And using the renunciant life to to bring those um, reflections alive and to make them, uh, say, meaningful and genuine. In exactly the same way, the aging process is telling us over and over, we're not in control. This is, this is not who and what we are. We're, this is not a, a self. It doesn't belong to a self. And as our capacity to control gets less and less and less, as our, we, we can't remember things or we, uh, we can't see so well. You know, I used to have really eagle eyes. In a, and now when I go to, to a train station or an airport, I think, I got. I can't do it anymore. You know, it's gone. I used to be able to see like tiny little writing from like fifty yards away, and and I was obviously I was quite proud of it because now I notice uh, a feel of oh dear, kind of almost an embarrassment. I can't do it anymore. You know, 
but uh, it's gone. I can't. I can't do that. Reading little little writing at a distance. The you know hearing. You think, oh, I wish people would speak up a bit. You know, there's <laughs> so much noise in the background in the sala. I think, you know, and and the, a reticence to say, could you speak up or could you sit closer? You know, yeah. wanting to make some sort of reason. Like you know, there's a lot of noise in the background. Could you could you could you speak up? Yeah. It's it's. Uh, we're not in control, we're not the owner, we're not in charge. So if we uh, handle the aging process with a, with a skillful attitude, then it can be similar to uh, the, uh, the, the use of monastic life and uh, Vinaya training. We, we use, we're del- in a way, the deliberate use of powerlessness or, um, or uh, say, um, dependency that as the, the more and more of that happens, and we need more stuff, <laughs> that rather than looking upon that as a weakness or as a loss, we can turn it around and actually use it as a spiritual tool because it's saying, <laughs> this is not me, it's not mine, this is uh, following the laws of nature, it's anicca, dukkha, anatta, it's transient, it's unsatisfactory, it's not self. It's a, it can be a direct, say, um, catalyst for those those insights within our life and also, just uh, as we were gathering and talking earlier today, um, Joseph uh, was saying how in the, the Buddhist Studies Center in Massachusetts, they have a, a program that's, uh, that's related to uh, so what we're doing this weekend or the, the Mindful Aging Group with uh, London Insight. And uh, this run from the Barry Center for Buddhist Studies. And the title of it is Going Forth. I mean, it's a kind of a euphemism not to say, because in America, if you marketed it as getting old, it would never sell. <laughs> no one would want to sign up. <laughs> but going forth, and, and yeah, uh, Musung, who's, uh, who's uh, the head of the, running the program, is from Indian ancestry. So he's have his, having in mind the, the, the four stages of life in Indian tradition of like uh, childhood, early adulthood, uh, yeah, the uh, late adulthood, and then uh, after. So from, from zero to 20, 20 to 20 to 40, 40 to 60. And 60 onwards, you have uh, arta, uh, karma, arta, dharma, moksha, these uh, the stages of life. And the moksha stage, the liberation is uh, at 60, you know, you pack up your stuff, you leave home and take to the road as a wanderer. So that the, the, um, the going forth as a uh, mindful aging program is, I thought was quite skillful because we use the terms going forth as, as sim- you know, signifying ordination. And that going forth is like, yeah, it's, uh, it's all going. <laughs> the ears are going, the eyes are going, the mobility's going, the memory's going. Yeah, it's going. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was a, a, a neat usage of the terms, like rather than you going forth, it's also the, <laughs> the faculties are, are going forth too. But uh, I, I feel this is a, a very helpful way to rejig our perceptions and uh, bringing mindfulness to how we 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 tend to not do that, not to uh, hold things in that way. But we see, just like I'm saying, you know, when when I have to get closer to the the board in the in the airport, you know, there's some part of the the, the self view in me feels loss, <laughs> and then the wisdom faculty says, "Duh, just get closer and look." You know, the point is to see when your flight's leaving, not <laughs> your you know. E- your ego taking a blow that you you're not you're not 23 and and with perfect eyes anymore you know so that uh, 
the mindfulness of the habits we have, the mindfulness of how we can shift our habits to, to more skillful ones, and then also seeing the effect of that, how when we, we, do, um, we do see things from a, that different perspective, how that brightens the heart, how there is a, a, you know, a, a heavenly result, if you like. There is a, a lightening, a brightening, a, and a liberating quality. So these are a few reflections uh, to plant a few seeds for the, the weekend. There will be many, many other areas that we'll explore. Um, I think the gift of loss is, um, I think Richard, uh, Chris Ward and uh, Richie Bobo will be leading that theme tomorrow, so I hope I haven't ripped off all of your, <laughs> your subject matter. <laughs> but uh, uh, that will be the, the first theme, and then the other themes we have uh, on the relationship and... Um, Regret and uh, remorse and reconciliation, resolution, resolution and uh, then um, fear, uh, compassion, and insight. Uh, that there will be many different uh, angles that we'll and aspects of this whole process that we'll be, be looking at. But um, uh, in terms of a uh, of an overall framework, um, uh, I, I would also encourage a sense of. Uh, listening to everything that's said and whatever is useful and meaningful and to, to take that and, and uh, cherish that, apply that and whatever you whatever is said um, uh, no matter how with, with how much apparent authority <laughs> that if it's not meaningful or it's not useful or it doesn't match your own experience then you know, please leave, leave that aside. This is the spirit that Buddhist teachings are, are always offered in. So uh, that... Uh, uh, hopefully during this weekend there will be uh, things that are, are useful and people also I would en- again encourage you all to recognize this is a time for dialogue and engagement and not just being talked at <laughs> even though that can happen and uh, to, to take this as an opportunity to engage with each other and to to share what uh, understanding and, and insights and and the perspectives that uh, that you all have so I offer this for consideration this evening <laughs>